um, Crystal and Tyler, Pastor Story Heights Church in Newton. And um, their church has many people that felt a heart for doing something in Mattapan. We are pastoring quite a ways from Mattapan. But we have developed and learned the, uh, the way to produce income so you can make a difference and have a crisis center. And that's something, it, it's like breathing for us now. And so what they did was they have something called Story Heights Foundation. And Story Heights Foundation is now powering the crisis center and the Blessing Bar Mattapan. And we get to do this as leaders together who love each other first. And we really do love each other, don't we? And then we get to do it as people who love the church and we're not afraid to deal with hard things and we're not afraid to um, tell you that God expects you to do some hard things. So that's really the summation of, you know, we, we think alike with that, don't we? Crystal is way nicer than I am. <laughs> She's a southern girl. But um, it doesn't matter to us because both of us have the same understanding that God expects us to be in it 100%. Would you welcome my friend, Crystal Tillis? I love the local church. I love being a part of the local church. I love using my gifts and talents to encourage the local church. And when God said, move to Massachusetts, we were like, are you sure? And he said, yes, I'm sure. And so when he said, pastor in Newton, we were like, are you really sure? And he was like, yeah, I'm really sure. We were like, but did you know that there's easier places to build a church in Massachusetts than in Newton? There's no parking lots. The rent is $15,000 a month. Are you really sure, God? And he said, yes, because I I can do immeasurably more than all you could ask, think, or imagine according to my riches, not yours. And that's exactly what he's done over the last 10 years is he's done immeasurably more than all we could ask, think, or imagine. But it is because of faithful friends like Mama Sherry and Pastor Phil who have loved us along the way, who have canceled plans with the mayor to have coffee with me just because I called and said I needed a coffee meeting. And that means a lot and it's gone a long way. So we are not in this uh, alone, we are in this together. Yes, I believe we are on some of the greatest, uh, a precipice of the greatest days the local church has ever seen. I believe revival is here and now. It's not just something we talk about, but it's going on in this country. It's going on in the state of Massachusetts. No matter what we might see, God is in the works. And I believe that we are in great days. So I'm excited to pour into your church today. I hope to bring a word that is fresh to you. Even if the message is something you've heard a thousand times in church, I hope it'll be something that will invigorate your spirits this morning. So why don't we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and just do what he does best, and that's guide us into all truth this morning. Will you pray with me? Lord, we love you so much, and we honor you uh, for just who you are in our lives. You are creator God. You're the king of all the universe, but you're also our brother and our friend. And so right now I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do what only you can do, and that's you guide us into all truth. You reveal all things to us. You, you bring loving correction where we need it. And so, Father, I pray that you'd soften our hearts. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our spirit ears and our spirit minds. Help us to receive your truth, God, even where it might rub the wrong places. I pray that none of us would be so familiar with your grace that we would not, not be in awe of it this morning. We love you, Father. 
we open our hearts, we open our minds now to receive. I pray for the person in here right now who feels like they are so far gone from you, where they feel like they don't hear your voice anymore, where they feel like you don't love them anymore. I pray that even if it's one person in here this morning, that you remind them how much you love them and how good you are. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So it's, it's summertime uh, everywhere, and it's especially summertime in the Tullis household. We have four children, and that means four children are home all day long, ages 14, 12, 10, uh, 9. I have so many of them, I can't keep track sometimes. 14, 12, 9, and 6. They are home all the time, and we are doing a screen-free summer. Are any parents in the house here with me? And can you just say hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'm telling you, mom and dad, we took the power cords to the Xboxes and the Playstations and even the iPads and the TVs. Screen free, baby. Screen free summer. But what that means is that they have to go outside because they get bored inside. So summertime in the Tullis, I don't know what your house looks like, but our house looks like my front door and my back door and my side door and my garage doors are open all day long. My children, I'm not sure where I messed up in this parenting process, they don't know how to shut the door. <laughs> like truly, they leave the door open. Hand to my heart, promise to you, I am not being, I know sometimes preachers exaggerate, I am not exaggerating. The other night at the Tullis household, we went to bed with the front door wide open. We slept an entire eight hours with the front door wide open. We woke up the next morning and we said, huh, that's interesting, the front door is wide open. Who left it open? One of my kids said, oh, I, I took Tucker out to go to the bathroom and I guess I forgot. My children do not shut the door. All day long my neighbors here shut the door. Shut the door. Shut 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 the door. You you remember your mom and dad saying it to you, don't you? What are we trying to air condition the whole neighborhood? Were you raised in a barn? Shut the door. Everybody look at your neighbor and say shut the door. The, the thing about when you don't shut the door, it, it's not just letting the cold air in, out and the hot air in, but the thing that really gets me is the flies. The flies. It is fly season in New England. Horse flies, fruit flies, you name Have you seen these ginormous flies? They are the size of my fist buzzing around my house. They are the, they, literally, it's like, a, it's like a honeybee coming after you, but they're flies. Have you seen these flies I'm talking about in your own home? And my children, they're afraid of the flies. My littles are like seeing the flies, ah, like running around from the flies. And I'm like, well, if you don't want the flies, then shut the door. This is not rocket science. If you don't like the flies in our home, then you need to shut the door. As I come to speak with you today, I want us to take a moment and I want us to examine the status of our hearts, the home where the Lord resides, the place of our minds, the place of our hearts, the place of our spirits. And I want to ask you what flies have swarmed in to the heart, to your house, to your mind, to your spirit. 
What pesky flies, what sins that swarm have flown in and are just driving you crazy. You can't swat them away enough. You're doing all you can. What flies have swarmed in? Today I want to ask you, and it's my main thought for you, if there's a fly, a sin, something that's swarming, something that's nagging, something that's pesky, have you opened the door of your heart? My main thought for you is if you want to deal with the sin in your life, then you've got to shut the door. You've got to shut the door. You guys still with me? Now, at Story Heights Church, we're not a quiet church. I like people who preach with me. So can I have some people that will preach with me today? On this side of the room, can you say, preach, preacher woman? Pretty good. On this side of the room, can you say, hmm? Okay, that was pathetic. Come on, don't let me preach alone. Will you preach with me this morning? Now, I know you're thinking, who is this crazy woman? Well, I said I'm from Louisiana, but really I'm from Texas. And us Texas girls, we don't play. So we about to just shut the door this morning, okay? So for our family, we, we set the kids down. At the, at the first day of summer, when all the doors were open, Tyler and I said, you know, we really need to have a family meeting. Because this idea of the flies that have come into our hearts, into our souls, it's been a big thing around the Tullis home. We've said, you know, as we look around and as we examine the status of our family, there's been some things that we just don't like. So we set our children down. We said, everybody come in, even my six-year-old. Everybody come sit at the table. We're going to have some pancakes together, and we're going to talk about shutting the door of sin in our own home because we want to be holy. Everybody say holy. You know, holiness, for some of you who aren't like church people, you hear that word and you think the Pope, you think robes, you think choir, you think that's not me. But you know, all holiness is, is to, the, the word holy just means to be set apart. The book of 2 Timothy talks about silverware and, and, and he tells us, he exhorts us, hey, he says you can either be plastic earthenware, you can be made of wood where you're used for everyday use. Come on, how many of you love some plastic silverware? How many of you wash plastic silverware? It was meant to be thrown away. It's for everyday use. My mother-in-law always have a battle about this. I'm always like, Nona, quit washing the plastic forks. Throw them away. She's like, well, if you actually valued a dollar, you would save them. Amen? Yes? So whatever. This is a battle for another day. So we, 2 Timothy says, hey, there's plastic silverware. And he says, and then there's silverware made of gold for the royal banquets. He says, which one do you want to be? This is what holiness is. Are you going to set yourself apart for the special things, the special occasions, the special calling on your life? And so we set our kids down and we said, hey, which one do you want to be? And if you want to be special, if you want to be holy, if we want to be set apart for what God has for our family, then we've got to clean some things up. We've got to get the flies out. And we've got to shut the door because holiness is the only thing that separates you from the, all the other good people that you know. There are some great people in Massachusetts. Even you right here, or maybe you're watching online. You're a good person. You do good deeds. You think good thoughts. You give people well wishes. But I want to ask you, has your life been set apart by the saving and cleansing work of Jesus Christ on the cross? That is what sets you apart from any other good person in this world. 
A few weeks ago, as we sat with our children, we said, you know, we don't really like who our family has become over the last year. We said, I know it's been a little crazy. Mom and dad have been really busy. Uh, We went straight to work during COVID. We opened some micro schools. We bought an investment property. We've been very busy parents. Homeschool learning, remote learning, hybrid masks, no masks, the debate on vaccines or no vaccines, all of the political landscape pastoring through that in Newton. It has been a very tumultuous 15, 16 months for our family. It's been unprecedented times. And if somebody says the word unprecedented one more time, can I get a good amen? It's been a hard year, but we said, you know what? That season is behind us. And as we take survey of our family from the last 15 months, there's just some things we don't like. And Tyler said to our children, he said, it's not big things, it's the little things. He said, I will tell you, don't bring food into your room. And then I go up to your room and there's crusty bowls of oatmeal. He said, I will ask you before we leave for lacrosse, do you have your water bottle? Do you have your sports bag? And you will look at me in the face and say, yes, dad, I have my water bottle. When you know, well, in fact, you did not have your water bottle. You have no plans on getting your water bottle. You're just being lazy and you're lying straight to my face. I tell you, don't be on the phone after 8 p.m. And even though I have all the controls set up on the phone for you not to be on the phone at 8 p.m., you somehow are on the phone at 10.30 p.m. behind my back. He said, it's not the big things, it's the little flies that have swarmed into our family. And I don't like who you're becoming. You're rude to each other. You don't love each other. You fight all the time. You're always disobeying. He said, I don't like the family that we're becoming. So this summer, we're going to close the door to the old season. We're going to shut it, and we're going to focus on what's inside. We're going to focus on our family. We're doing road trips. We're doing campfires. We're doing clean PG movies together, and we're shutting out the outside influence so that you can focus on your own hearts. Now, you can imagine my children did not reply as you are replying. They did not say, amen, Pastor Tyler. Oh, no, they looked at us like, what have we done wrong? Why are you punishing us? My six-year-old sat there with pancake mid-bite, like, no iPads for the summer? What did I do? And one of them blurted out, Dad, compared to my friends, I'm not that bad. He was like, Dad, I don't party. Kids in my class, I'm 14. They already smoke and get high and get drunk on the weekends and sleep with their girlfriends. Dad, I'm not that bad. I don't do that stuff. Why are you doing this? Tyler went out to his shop, went to his garage, and he got his T-square, and he held it up to our children. And he said, this standard that you just described This is the standard of the world. Not that bad. He said, but I want to help you understand, son. That's not what we're aiming for. And he raised the T-square up. He said, we're aiming for this standard. This is the standard that we're shooting for. This is God's standard. This is the creator of the world. This is the mark that he set for us to hit. Bennett Claire, my six-year-old, she said, Daddy, I don't understand 
And I said, well, let me, let me help you understand, baby girl. Let me help you understand what sin is. I said, you know the, the bullseye? You know what a bullseye is? She goes, yeah, like at Target. I said, yes, I've raised you correctly. The bullseye at Target. You know the bullseye at Target. I said, imagine aiming an arrow to the center of that Target. That's the mark. That's the standard of which the creator of our lives set for us to hit every time in our words, in our actions, in our deeds, in our thoughts. He said, hey, aim here, and I want you to hit that mark. But every time us humans do something, think something, behave in a way that God did not intend, we hit it just off, just the center. We tell a lie. We gossip. We slander. We sleep around. We look at porn. We smoke something. We get drunk. Whatever it is, according to the standard of God's word, when we miss it, even if we're off by a hair, that is sin. We've missed the mark. Now, all of us are born into a sinful nature, and this is hard for some of you to understand. This is hard for some of you to accept. Many of you think, well, I'm a good person. I'm not sinful. The Bible says that in our womb, we were born with a sinful nature. And I can prove this to you because as soon as my child was old enough to talk, all four of them, and all of you parents know, the first thing they say when somebody takes their toy, mine. They're not generous. They don't want to share. As soon as they get in trouble, what do my kids do? They hide. They lie. Same thing Adam and Eve did in the garden. There's a sinful nature that you and I are born with. That's the sins of omission, the things that King David prayed, forgive me of the things I don't even know I'm doing. But then there are sins that you and I deliberately know we're doing, and we think we'll deal with it later. That's the sin of commission, the things that we commit, knowing what we've done. And the Apostle Paul, he dealt with this and he said, hey, yes, we know that the blood of Jesus, the grace of God, it has forgiven us for those sins of omission. He looks at our sinful nature and he loves us anyways. And because of what Christ did on the cross, he made us right with the Father regardless of the sinful nature. So now we don't have to have a law system that cleanses us of that sinful nature before we can approach him, before we can be in right relationship with God. No, the work of Jesus, it finished that for us once and for all. But then the Apostle Paul, he said, but if that grace abounds, should our sin continue to abound as well? Should we just say, oh, we're thankful for the cross. We're thankful for the blood. But our sin, our flesh, it really feels like doing what we want to do. So we're going to do it anyways and just hope your grace takes care of it. The Apostle Paul said, of course not. Of course we should not basically rehang Christ on the cross every single time we decide our feelings are stronger than his work. And so I opened the scriptures, and this is where I want to open with you this morning to 2 Peter. Tyler said, babe, is there anything you would like to say before we finish this meeting? And I remembered this passage of scripture that I've chewed on for a long time, and it talks about avoiding the world's corruption. And I want to read that to you here, 2 Peter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. It says, Christ is God, and by his own power, he has given us, and I want you to lock into this, he has given us everything that we need to live and to please God. He has given this to us because we know him and he has called us because he is great and he is good. Because of these things, he has promised us things that are worth very much and are very great. He has promised these things to us so that by them you may become like God too. 
By them you will be kept free from the selfish desires of the people in the world. These desires lead to death. So now that you believe, Peter writes, try to live a good life. And when you live a good life, try to learn more about God. And when you have learned more, be strong to do what is right. And then go on doing what is right, even if it's hard. As you go about doing right, keep close to God. And as you keep close to God, love your Christian brothers. And when you love your Christian brothers, love everyone. If you do these things and you do them more and more, listen to this. You will be good Christians. And you will know more and more about our Lord Jesus Christ. But the man who does not do these things is like a blind man. He can only see a little way. And he has forgotten that he was made clean from the wrong things he used to do. So my brothers, try to show that God has called you and chosen you. If you do these things, you will never fall. And that will make it easy for you to go into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His kingdom will be forever. Can I have a good amen for the reading of God's word? There's this standard to show ourselves as called, as chosen by the Lord, to put away the things we used to do, to live by the power of Christ at work within us so that we can please the Lord. I want to ask you a question this morning Does your life, as you examine your thoughts, your words, your deeds, does it please the Lord? You know, for many of us, 2020, it blew the doors to our heart wide open. And what blew into our souls, we weren't expecting, we weren't ready for. It was coming from all sides, whether it was the social uh, things that were going on, the political things, uh, the, the, the scary anxiety, the medical things that were going on. 2020 was a big year. And the flies, if you will, the swarming fear, the nagging offense, the swarming lies of the devil, the nagging temptations, and the swarming of the world's corruption buzzed on in. You got out of rhythm, you got out of routine, you quit coming to church, you isolated, you disconnected from small groups, you forgot that all of this stuff in the world is temporary. You got distracted from your eternal mission and your eternal purpose, and the door of your soul was left wide open. And slowly but surely, the corruption of the world It just began to deteriorate your life. For those of us who are honest here, maybe you're watching online and and you're going to be honest here with me, you might say, and I've just wrote an exhaustive list here, I cuss way more than I did before COVID. I am bitter and angry with people I loved and got along with before COVID. I smoke weed more and get high more than I did before COVID. I drink more than I did before COVID. I gossip more than I did before COVID. I have less self-control than I did before COVID. I spend less time with God than I used to before COVID. I watch porn more than I did before COVID. I'm angrier than I was before COVID. I fight with people more than I used to before COVID. I'm more short-tempered than I was before COVID. I'm struggling with apathy and doubt and disbelief more than I 
used to before COVID. I don't take care of my body the way I did before COVID. I'm struggling with my sexual identity now post-COVID. I'm doubting the authority of the Bible now post-COVID. I don't feel close to God the way I used to before COVID. Since COVID, I'm confused and thinking about leaving my church or my job or my spouse or you name it. What is the status of your heart this morning? If you're honest, if you identify with any of this, then I have great life-giving news for you this morning. Because of the power of Jesus Christ, who desperately wants to work within you, he wants to empower you to shut the door. Shut the door. Shut the door to everything 2020 brought, baby, and breathe new life and let the Holy Spirit fill your lungs so that you can look forward to your life and say the old has gone and the new has come. So with the rest of the time that we have this morning, I want to empower you to shut the door. You know, Genesis 4, 7, it says this. It says, talking about Cain and Abel, you know, Cain was jealous of his brother Abel. Abel had done what pleased the Lord. Cain had not. Cain had given God sloppy seconds, and Abel had given God the first and the best to honor him. And Cain, out of his jealousy, that pride got in his heart, the offense got in his heart. He left the door wide open. Those flies swarmed on in. And God said this to Cain. He says, if you do well, Will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, watch this. Sin is crouching in the door and its desire is for you. So you must master it. God said to Cain, if you're not careful, I don't know if you can see me over there. If you're not careful, sin is crouching at the door. And as soon as you even crack it open, Its desire is to master you. Its desire is to come over you, to take power over you. Just what Sister Rent said all those years ago, sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. It will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay, and it will cost you more than you were willing to pay. Sin wants to lure you in and take you captive. It's the enemy of your soul. Jesus described him as the thief that comes only to steal kill and to destroy and you may think the sin that you're messing with that you're dancing with is fun and entertaining right now but I'm telling you church the word of the Lord for you is you've got to shut the door because you are in danger sin is crouching at your door so you've got to shut the door so I want to give you four ways to do this four thoughts about shutting the door the first thing you've got to do is you, if you want to shut the door, you've got to tell everyone and everything that you let in to get on out. Now, I'm from Texas, so just go with me here. Hey, everybody. I appreciate the time that we've had together in 2020. It's been real great, but y'all got to get on out now. I know we had fun bitting our our little gossip sessions together. We had real fun making each other feel good with all the things we talked about. But you know, that stuff's temporary. It's not eternal. So maybe we should be less offended and you ought to just get on out. I know we got together and hooked up in 2020 and it felt real good in our bodies. But this relationship ain't leading me nowhere but tail. So I'm going to need you to get on out now. Everybody, this is your five-minute warning. 
You got five minutes. Everybody hear me? That's what I do with my kids at the pool. Five-minute warnings. Everybody, we're getting out in five minutes. You got five minutes. We're going to wrap this thing up. 2020's over. All the excuses, they're gone. My church meets now regularly so I can come back regularly. My small group's meeting in person now so I can get back into the fellowship of believers. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And by his power, sin, you got to go. Sin, you're not welcome here. Sin, you can't stay here anymore. I'm going to need you to get on out. you got to put everybody on notice. That means for some of you, you're going to go home and you're going to have to make some hard phone calls. You're going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to put some covenant eyes on your phone. You've got to shut the door. Amen. I don't know who's helping me preach back there, but amen. Second thing you've got to do, you're going to like this one. If you want to shut the door to sin in your life, you've got to put everybody on notice who doesn't belong to get on out. Second thing you've got to do, is you got to slam the door. You can't just leave it cracked open. See, some of you, you like to have one foot in and one foot out. I follow Jesus, but just one foot in. Sure, Jesus, I'll follow you. But I also would like to retain all of my old friendships. I would also still like to go to that club weekly. I would also like to continue with my addictions. I would also like to keep my bad attitudes because I'm right and everyone else is wrong and I'm not accountable to anyone. So the scripture says, if you want to flee from sin, you have to shut the door. You have to slam the door. You can't just leave it cracked open because even if you give the devil an inch to see into your life, Sin is crouching at your door, waiting to subdue you. You have to slam the door. Quit looking back. Quit wishing. Quit being undecisive. Follow Jesus with your whole heart, with your whole mind, with your whole soul, with all your strength. Follow Jesus. Quit thinking about what if you went back to that relationship? What if you went back to that lifestyle? What if you went back to that job? Follow Jesus with no turning back, no matter what it costs you. The third thing, if you want to shut the door of sin on your life, not only can you slam it, not only do you give everybody permission to get out, but then you got to lock the door. you got to lock it. And you got to focus on what's inside. Because as soon as you lock it, as soon as you slam it, the world, your past, the people that you've turned your back on, the hard decisions that you've made, they're going to start shouting. Look what you're missing. Look what you gave up. You'll never be a mother now. You'll be single forever. You'll never have sex again. You're going to be broke. You're going to start tithing. You're going to start putting God first. Do you know how much money you could be making in the market right now if you took that 10% and put it to Dow Jones instead? Do you know what you're missing? Hitting close to home this morning. But instead, the scripture commands us 
to focus on the inside. I'm following Jesus, no turning back. I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to focus on the promises that are yes and amen in my life. I'm going, to prom- I'm going to focus on the promise keeper who has good things for me. Although I can't see it, he's working. Although I can't feel it, he's working. I know he's got good plans for me, plans to prosper me and give me hope. I'm going to focus on my church community. I'm going to focus on serving the local church. I'm going to focus on missions. I'm going to focus on generosity because I know there is coming a day soon where the clouds are going to rip open and Jesus himself is going to come down and I'm going to be with the faithful few who have remained true to the Lord. Bethany Church, I want to ask you, will you be a part of the church who rises in the air to meet our Lord? Or will you still be floundering out here in the world too afraid to do what's necessary to follow Jesus? If you want to live this power life that Christ died to give you, you've got to shut the door and get the flies out. You've got to give everybody notice. You've got to slam the door. You've got to lock it shut. And the fourth thing is when sin begins to knock, because it will, Many of you are going to make a decision to follow Jesus today. Many of you are going to make a decision to change your behavior, to change your thoughts. But Christianity is not behavior modification. Christianity is not self-help, 10 steps to following Jesus and becoming perfect. My friend, you're never going to be perfect. You're going to make this decision today in this What color chairs are they? Brown. You're going to make the decision to follow Jesus in obedience today in this brown chair. And I promise you, as soon as you walk out the doors and get back into the parking lot, somebody's going to cut you off and that old sinful nature is just going to come right up. And you'll be like, what? I just made a decision. Oh, Lord, I'm sinful. And so many people, I've seen this in my 20 years of pastoring the local church, I have seen people make the decision, it's too hard, so they give up. The temptations don't stop. Okay, I'm going to live in my sexual identity according to scripture, not according to what the world says. Okay, I'm going to do that. 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 And then the door just keeps knocking from the outside. The temptation, the problems in our mind, the confusion, it all just keeps coming. And it knocks louder and louder and louder. But what the Holy Spirit tells us to do when the temptation won't stop, is we have to yell, go away. Go away. In the name of Jesus Christ, him crucified, I said, go away. See, many of you who are struggling with an addiction right now, you lay in bed and you allow yourself to be tempted. You let your cell phone be a constant open door of temptation to your life. You have a relationship you can't seem to get out of. It's because your thought has taken over. The sin is trying to subdue you. And you think in your own willpower, which is equal to a cell phone battery, it will die. That you can conquer the sin. But my friends, you cannot. You can only conquer the sin with the power working wondrous works 
of the cross. This means that when you are tempted, you got to pull out your sword of the spirit, which is the Bible, and you have to use it as a weapon. You have to get up in the middle of the night if you have to at 3 a.m. This is what I had to do. I had to get up at 3 a.m. I'm a millennial, baby. Porn came knocking on my door as young as it did for some of you. And I'm going to tell you something. This is where I began to see the work of Jesus be transferred from the cross into my life. When I didn't just believe the Bible as some words on a page, but I saw it as the living, breathing word of God, the voice of Jesus directly into my life. And guess what? Just like Jesus spoke to the devil in the wilderness, that's what I began to do. You got to go. You're not welcome in my home anymore. I'm about to take an electrocuting fly zapper swatting at you right now. No more of this swarming around with no willpower, with no self-control. No, no, no. I'm not coming to the altar to repent of my sin anymore. I'm going to stand on the firm foundation that is Christ and say, I will no longer live by my feelings, but I will live by the Spirit of God who has raised Christ Jesus from the dead and can raise me from the dead as well. I don't know about you or where your heart is. But I'm talking to every person in here, man, woman, child. I don't care if you're 85 years old or 15 years old. The blood of Jesus, it works. The blood of Jesus, it conquers. Jesus looked at you as he hung there. And he said, it is finished. The power of sin and death is canceled. And like the Apostle Paul, you and I can say, I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. I'm not messing around with the cheap stuff of the world anymore. No, no, no. I'm going to set myself apart. I'm going to stand under the banner of Jesus, and I'm going to allow him to set me free so that I can be used for the good works that he has called me to in Christ Jesus. If you're here today, I want to give you the opportunity to receive this word into your heart. Don't leave here the way you came. For years I went to church and I would just hear messages like this and just be beat down with guilt and condemnation. That is not my heart for you. That's not the Father's heart for you today. He wants you to leave here empowered to take control of your life. Will you stand with me? I want to just give everybody a moment of privacy under the honor to give honor to the Lord. I want you to just take two minutes. just want you to examine the condition of your heart right now. And then Pastor Phil, as the father of this house, he's going to come and he's going to pray for you and he's going to lead you in a prayer. But just take a moment right where you are, shut your eyes, give everybody some privacy. I want you to think about the flies that are in your heart right now, flies that you've allowed in. And I want you to just make a decision right where you are Today I'm going to shut the door. I'm going to shut the door. Let us pray together. Father, thank you for the word that we've heard. Thank you for once again reminding us that you, you are the, the fixed voice, the truth, the transcendent meaning in our life, God. You're the North Star. You're the, 
You're the ultimate truth in our life. And I pray, God, for those of us who have... Your Word says that all have sinned and fallen short of Your glory. Your Word also says that all we like sheep have gone astray and turned unto our own way. So, God, I pray for those of us in the room, as we all have, turned back to our own way. May we once again reaffirm that You're the way, the truth, the life. And we come to the Father by You today, God, and... If, if anybody in this room is feeling that this is a move towards shame and guilt, let them know that this is, a, this is the ultimate removal of shame, the ultimate removal of guilt, the, the ultimate removal of sin. It's very, the very power of sin itself is in you and in the cross and in your mercy when I come in humility and I admit that I cannot, I cannot guide my own path. I cannot deliver myself. I cannot even know the right way without your truth and without your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you would liberate us into the glorious freedom, the glorious liberty, as the word says, of the children of God. God, ultimately, Lord, I pray that we would know that actually your way is for us to really get in control of our own lives. And we do that when we, uh, when we uh, welcome you as our Lord into our life. We pray that you'll do that today, God. I pray in the name of Jesus for that. For that person that's under the sound of my voice who's never crossed that line of faith, who's never crossed the line of faith to see Jesus Christ as the ultimate, the Savior of the world, I pray, God, for that person that they would receive Jesus right now and that he would become their guiding north star in their life today. You said if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God has raised him to the dead, we will be saved. That's what you came, Lord. You came to give us, you came to give us salvation. You came to give us, you came to rescue us from our own way. Rescue us from the way that is detrimental and destructive and give us life in that life more abundantly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.